Hello and welcome to On Leading with Greatness. I'm Jim Salvucci of Guidance for Greatness. This week's installment, Professor Clark's Lessons on Leading, Learning from the Invaluable Negative Paradigm. And I'm never going back to my old school. Donald J. Fagan, Walter Carl Becker. My old school was tiny. Classes could just be 10 people sitting around a table. And I will forever be grateful to my parents, federal financial aid, the student loan system at 9% interest, and a steady stretch of year-round employment for the opportunity to attend such a place. I was an English major and had to take a course my first semester in reading poetry. The instructor, Professor Clark, was a crotchety cuss right out of central casting. Hell, he was bearded and even smoked a pipe. He was probably only about 40, but acted like a world-weary codger with little patience for the ignorant teenagers who disrupted his pipe-puffing ruminations by showing up to his seminar room for regularly scheduled classes. Professor Clark lorded it over his, maybe, dozen students in the room. A few pretended to be inspired and challenged by his diatribes about how we were so incapable, and they found his favor and some success. The rest of us were just intimidated. He could be a mean son of a bitch, both in and out of the classroom. I remember receiving my first graded paper, unhelpfully marked up with baffling red marks and rude notations. The final comment all but declared me a hopeless idiot. The fact was, although I had taken honors and AP English in high school, those classes rarely covered poetry, which did not help much with the AP exam. Like so many others, I found poetry confounding and mystifying and had little sense of how to even approach it, let alone interpret it. Professor Clark was to be my first guide on my journey through what I perceived as the foreboding and treacherous terrain of poesy. I remember bungling through Dunn and Keats and Shakespeare, unable to touch the invisible and impossibly high bar set by Professor Clark. Yet, I worked hard and applied myself, took his advice, and plowed on for three semesters. My college had and still has a requirement called moderation, in which a committee of professors reviews students' work during sophomore year to see if they have what it takes to continue in their majors. During my moderation, one of my reviewers remarked with wonder that I had taken Professor Clark three times in a row and had earned only a B- for each of those semesters. Why, she asked, did you keep taking him if your grade was not improving? I responded, without any forethought and with all sincerity, because I'm not in college for grades. I'm here to learn. Insert knowing laughter here. They were impressed by my answer, which was chock full of all the idealistic naivete a 19-year-old could exude and, sad to say, absolutely no guile. They quickly approved my continuation as an English major. What choice did they have at that point, disarmed by my callow candor, as it were? By then, I had moved on from Professor Clark's toxic salon and was thriving in other classes with other professors, but for one thing, I still could not read poetry. All that work, all that abuse, all that humiliation, and all those B-minuses, and poems still perplexed me. It was then that I realized, Professor Clark was tough. Professor Clark had high and exacting standards. Professor Clark knew his stuff. But Professor Clark was a truly shitty teacher. In my fourth semester as an English major, I had to start from scratch learning to read poetry. Years later, when it was my time to lord it over the classroom, 
I thought about Professor Clark, how he had terrified the students in his thrall, convincing them that he must be a brilliant teacher because he was so demanding and mean. I thought, maybe that is the way. After all, he was probably replicating the behavior of his professors. Then I thought about how I had learned so little in his classes. I thought about how I had largely taught myself to read poetry. I also thought about how horrible Professor Clark made me and everyone feel. I finally thought, nah. I then chose to be a very different teacher. I recount this tale of woe not to elicit your sympathy for my adolescent travails, but to make a point about bosses. Yep, bosses. Bosses. Like many professors, particularly back in the day, many bosses are elevated to their position with little or no knowledge or perspective on their new role. Worse still, they barely understand the significant difference between managing and leading, let alone the fact that they have to master both. These shortcomings are only amplified by many, many so-called leadership trainings that focus primarily on management matters, budgets, HR, scheduling, etc., Even when such trainings do teach actual leadership, they frequently fail to convey how critical the ongoing development of leadership skills is to a boss's success as well as that of their people and their organizations. So what is a new boss to do? Well, most often, like Professor Clark, new bosses simply fall back on the only models they've seen, which is what their own bosses had always done. Therefore, the prevalence of jerks in the kingdom of bosses only begets more jerk bosses, full of self-importance, self-service, and gratuitous cruelty. They fail to accommodate the very individuals they are charged with guiding, leaving many good people and much productivity by the wayside while championing sycophants and fellow blowhards. They preach high standards and perpetuate mediocrity. If most bosses view their predecessor's behavior as the best or only model, as I believe was the case with Professor Clark, then no wonder they mimic it. Worse still, as with any copy of a copy, the outcome deteriorates over time, so most bosses are just bad imitations of their forebears. The trick is to break the cycle, to find a different way. What way, perhaps, you're wondering? Well, to start with, not that way. In other words, you must first choose not to be like your bad bosses of yore. Don't be like Professor Clark. If you start with that realization and commit to it, you're way ahead of the game, although far from the finish. In short, Bad predecessors can still be a model, a model of how not to behave. I call this learning from the negative paradigm and wrote about it in an essay back in January of 2021, entitled Negative Paradigms Can Be Positive Paradigms Too. You have to build the boss role for yourself. That does not mean just doing the opposite of your bad bosses, which I wrote about in an essay in July of 2022 called The Limits of Chicken Salad on Rye. Instead, be true to your values and to the mission of your organization. Remember that the primary purpose of any boss is to make people successful. Bosses exist to help their people deliver on the mission, whatever that be. For too many bosses, intimidation is their go-to motivator. But as with Professor Clark, it will turn out to be a bust in the end. The key is to focus on elevating your people, leaning into your values, and fulfilling the mission. View whatever bossing you saw before or see around you with a jaundiced eye. Maybe you had a good boss or two. If so, ask yourself, what made that boss so effective? Was it just because this person made you feel good? Or was there actual evidence of quality and improvement all around, not just with yourself? Importantly, how can you be even better than that good boss? Good bossing, like anything of value, is a genuine challenge. It requires constant awareness and assessment and reassessment of yourself, of your experience, and of others. 
Great leadership requires much the same, but it also demands a fundamental commitment to your personal and professional values, plus the wherewithal to put them into action. I am almost certain you have had a Professor Clark in your life, perhaps several, an authority figure who attempted to cow you, perhaps as a cover for their own perceived and evident deficiencies. Learn from that negative paradigm. Choose to be different. Choose to be better. Don't be like Professor Clark. Even graded on the curve and with all the extra credit points thrown in, as a teacher and as a human being, he still earned his F. What assumptions about leadership do you make because of your bosses, past and present? What can you do to break the cycle of bad bosses? You deserve the best from your bosses, just as others deserve the best leadership from you. And I can help. Click on the essay for your free consultation and gift. Share your thoughts on this topic or participate in a discussion by leaving a comment or by contacting me directly by email. Info at guidanceforgreatness.com You'll need to register with Substack to leave a comment, which is painless and free. Please share this post on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to have on Leading with Greatness sent weekly to your inbox. I look forward to hearing from you.